You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents the Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Eric Coleman. Hello, Long Island, New York. 103.9 LI News Radio Network. This is the Weekend Crunch brought to you by. New York Sports Team Magazine, and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Errol Marks, and my co-host, Mr. Eric Coleman. What's going on, Eric? What up, what up, what up? I, uh, I'm chilling, man, enjoying enjoying these last weekends before the uh, <laughs> NFL season starts and trying to enjoy these playoffs, man. And, uh, I'm excited to talk about some sports with you today. Yeah, you're, you're, coming, you're, you're coming up to New York because uh, you work for the Jets and you work for uh, CBS and, and New York. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward for you to come up because we're going to be doing some live shows and uh, over here in the studios. So I will say this. I am telling you, never get a tattoo on your lower traps. I will never, ever, 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 ever get a tattoo on my back again. That is horrendous. The pain, uh, the agonizing pain that I dealt with yesterday. And I don't care what the tattoo artist says. Oh, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. The last hour of this tattoo was absolutely horrendous. The pains, I was feeling sharp needle pains up and down my arms, and it was on my back, Eric. I mean, you were telling me about your your tattoo on your ribs, how much that hurt. I, I could take pain very, very well, but that pain... I don't. I don't want to experience it ever again, at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean that. That's the reason why I haven't had a tattoo in about twelve years. Uh, th- those days are, are far past me. Uh, but I'm sure that would have been a funny sight. I hope someone got a picture of you probably curled up in the fetal <laughs> position, stuck in your thumb, getting your tattoo. Well, I'm not in that much pain, but he was definitely. He, was, he saw me twitching, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm twitching. You're hitting. You're hitting a nerve. And I, I kept my eyebrows kept popping up, and he's like, "You all right? You're all right?" I said, "Yeah, just keep on going. Finish this damn tattoo. I want to get the hell out of here." So, well, no one will ever know when when it heals up and you're walking around in the summer <laughs> on swole. No one will ever know that you were crying. Oh, when you well, that tattoo. I, I'm sure you're happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we have a lot of sports to talk about, and I want to get into the NBA lottery draft. And the problem right now with the NBA is I don't understand this lottery draft. I don't know how they're picking these balls. It makes absolutely no sense. Looking at the the lottery odds on the, each team from 1 to 14 – it makes no sense. Golden State had a 14% chance of getting the number one pick. Cleveland, 14. Minnesota, 14. Atlanta, 12.5. Detroit, 10.5. The Knicks, 9.0. Chicago, 7.5. Uh, and then Charlotte, 6.0. And Washington, 4.5. And so on and so on and so on. Now, let me ask you this question, Eric. When you look at the draft and, and, and watched the other day on Thursday night, which absolutely made me more upset than I've ever been upset as a New York Knicks fan. I, I look at the draft, and I'm looking forward. We got R.J. Barrett last year, and then I was expecting to be uh, happy where we could have gotten a top three pick, maybe a top four pick, get Wiseman or LaMelo Ball, one of these guys that can change a franchise, and the Knicks fall all the way to the eighth pick. Now, I don't know what it is with the NBA, Eric. I, I don't know what how much they hate the New York Knicks in their organization. I don't want to hear about, well, it's all about odds. They're, the NBA is not 
pushing this and they're not trying to get some of these teams the number one pick. The Grizzlies all of a sudden from the eighth or ninth pick they should have been last year, they moved all the way to the second pick. It makes absolutely no sense in percentages, but in odds, the way the NBA works, it works for them. But I, I will I will argue the point that the New York Knicks got screwed, and I will argue again that the New York Knicks have some kind of like I think they have the Bambino curse. They have exactly what the Boston Red Sox had uh, all those years of winning a championship. The Knicks haven't won a championship in almost 50 years. And we're waiting for a franchise to get built like they had in the 90s. And the way they're moving, I don't care how many draft picks they have. They have two first rounds this year. Uh, I don't see this changing. But what were your thoughts to the lottery and the odds of the New York Knicks getting the number one, number two, and number three pick? Man, it was tough. When you sit here and watch it, you know, as a New Yorker now, you, you can't help but root for the Knicks to get a, you know, a fair pick. And, you know, this is why I love football, because you understand, like, you know, the, the team with the worst record gets the number one pick, and then it goes so on and so forth. And so you understand who's going to get what position. I don't know why the NBA continues to do this lottery. I don't know if it's to, to keep people from throwing games at the end of the year or, or what the case may be, but you've got to find a way to create some parity in the NBA. You know, you've got to allow these teams who have been struggling for years to accumulate some top draft picks so they can grow their teams. And when I saw the Knicks fall to number eight, that was very disappointing. You know, and I'm not even a Knicks fan. It was disappointing because I want to see the Knicks compete. I want to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I want to see them, you know, have an opportunity. I mean, I don't know how long it's been. I'm sure you know the exact amount of years it's been since the Knicks have been competitive in the Eastern Conference, but it would be great to see them get some, some top picks and to bring some fire back to New York. And, and it's really a shame that, you know, the Golden State Warriors now get the re-up and get the number two pick. And, Absolutely and ridiculous. It seems like every year they get a number one pick. It's kind of frustrating to see as a, as a fan from, from afar, but, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll find a way to get some free agents in and, and turn this thing around. Well, it's upsetting to me because this is a top-heavy draft. Everybody keeps talking about it. And we talk about LaMelo Ball and Wiseman and some of the players that we've, we've been pushing forward and thinking that the New York Knicks might have an opportunity to get. And you look at Golden State, like you just said, how do the Golden State Warriors, who won three championships in the last seven years, get the number two pick because of the one bad season they had because Klay Thompson was hurt, Steph Curry was hurt, and Draymond Green was their best player, and, and Kevin Durant now plays for the Brooklyn Nets, how do the Golden State Warriors get the number two pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves? The Minnesota Timberwolves. Didn't they get the number one pick a couple of years ago? This is a team that keeps getting riches and riches and riches, and then the New York, the New York Knicks, who have been a terrible team, a terrible organization, who, let's be honest, as good as they played in the second half of the season with a backup coach, a coach that should have never took, taken over the team because... David Fisdell couldn't handle the pressure of New York, which was absolutely ridiculous. And I'll tell you this. I look at the New York Knicks and their organization, and I think they're moving in the right direction. They added Tom Thibodeau. They added Rose. They added a good management team to try to structure this team for the better. And I just think that when I look at the New York Knicks right now getting the eighth pick, even though it's a top-heavy draft— who are they going to get at number eight? I just don't know where the New York Knicks are going as an organization. And I expected them to get at least a top four pick where they can add maybe if, if Wiseman falls. They're saying that Wiseman could fall to four because of all the accusations with the team, with, uh, with college and everything like that. I thought that the Knicks could have a chance to maybe land Wiseman and, and get a steal of the draft. But 
this team is not going to get wise. I mean, unless they somehow um, decide to trade away assets, which have a load of assets that they made a significant amount of trades over the last couple of years, maybe they can move up to four or five if Wiseman falls. But you know and I know, Eric, to move up from eight to four, you're going to have to give a boatload of draft picks to get a player of that magnitude. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about OB Topin? You know, because I, I thought he was a, had a great year last year, and they're projecting that he falls down to like nine. And, you know, I, I think that he's a, a power forward that can make a difference for the Knicks. That would be great if they were able to get a player, you know, of, of that caliber at the number eighth pick. But uh, but at the same time, it's, um, you know, I understand your frustration, you know, but the Knicks are moving in the right direction. If they can get a, a solid player to help, you know, bridge that gap and, and to help build, you know, build the franchise off of, I, I still think at number eight, you could still find a quality player. Topin is somebody that could end up falling to the Knicks. He's a smart player, good passer for a big man. His raw shooting ability is not great. He's more of a traditional power forward type, but he's a good passer yeah. for his position. So that's something that's definitely interesting. He's going to have to grow a shot, though, if he wants to make it in the NBA, though. Yeah, Eric, you know, I liked him. I Eric, liked him it's our year. analytic he's, guy. He's a great athlete. He's big. He's strong. You know, I think he's one of those guys where, you know, if the Knicks get to draft him, you know, that can add to, you know, their, their guard play. It can add to what they, they bring to the table. It's hard to find a, a very a really good power forward, and it's important to have one in the NBA. You know, it's funny. We have Speedy PD. He gave us uh, his insight of uh, what, what he thinks about the player. But I, I look at the New York Knicks. They need a wing defender. That's what they need. They've been craving that. I know Nilakina turn, is turning out to be a solid player. We'll see what he does now with Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau. Does work good with young players. We saw what he did with the Bulls. It didn't work out in the Timberwolves. And a lot of Knicks fans are saying, why add Tom Thibodeau when you can get Kenny Atkinson? Kenny Atkinson was with the Brooklyn Nets for two years and got fired. So uh, Tom Thibodeau has been more successful in the league, and I think he can help some of the guys like Nilakina uh, to, and, and Mitchell Robinson, who's a very good defender, kind of like mature into a better offensive player. The Knicks need players to add on the wing side of their game. They, this has been the problem. They have no three-point shooters, not one. R.J. Barrett could shoot the three, but significantly and um, accurately, he's not that type of player. They don't have that three-point shooter. LaMelo Ball would have fit every single thing that the Knicks needed. A six foot six, six foot five wing defender who can defend multiple positions, can shoot the ball very accurately, and can do things inside and out and can pass the ball uh, and, and jump like a, like a deer. I, the problem with the Knicks is when there's a, there's a draft where they can maneuver and get a player of, of in, interest, they can't get them because they don't have the assets and the whereabout to get into that pick where they can get that player. And this year, I do believe the Knicks could move up if a player falls and get the player that they want, but we don't know. Now I'm reading stories that Wiseman might fall, but then I'm hearing that the Timberwolves and Wiseman are a great fit. I'm hearing LaMelo Ball going to Golden State, even though Steph Curry is there, uh, they could still move Steph Curry, I mean uh, LaMelo to the three because he's six foot six, and then have Wiggins as your two. So there's a lot of things that they can do and really solidify their team moving forward. And, and that's what bothers me is because how do the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the NBA for the last 10 years, get the number two pick in the draft when they still have Klay Thompson coming back, Steph Curry coming back, they have Andrew Wiggins in the trade, and, and, and now uh, Draymond Green, who it seems like he will be a Golden State Warrior at least for next year. So 
they're, they have a bag of riches. They have a bag of riches, and now they're going to get arguably the second-best player, maybe even the best player in the draft, Eric. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, in, until you change the structure of the draft, uh, this lottery, uh, then you're going to get this every year. You know, you're going to get teams that have higher odds, that get lower picks, and, and that's just the, the, the excitement. I guess, you know, I, I don't know if it's for ratings. I don't know what the reason is behind it, but, you know, they've got to figure out how to readdress this draft and help get some parity around the NBA. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to get into the playoffs. Very interesting. Right now, the LA Lakers are tied with the Portland Trail Blazers 1-1. The Rockets up 2-0. When we come back, we'll get into the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference of the NBA playoffs here on the Weekend Crunch. DJ Speedy, ladies and gentlemen. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. I almost forgot what time it is. <laughs> As you guys know, this is 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I want to get into the NBA playoffs. And I was very excited knowing that Portland was going to squeeze in against the L.A. Lakers because I think they matched up very, very well against the Lakers. We look at a guy like Damian Lillard, uh, what you call him, Dame Dollar. Everybody calls him Dame Dollar. He can change a game. He can absolutely change a game. And if C.J. McCollum, he's not healthy, he has a broken back or he has a fractured back, if he could stay healthy in this series, this could be a very, very long series. This could be the most interesting series going into the first round of the playoffs. Eric, watching Damian Lillard and, and what this team, this Portland Trailblazer team did in the first game, do you think that this game could be as close as nobody would have thought? Watching the first game, I, I mean, I think you saw the media overreact. I think everyone got super excited about Dame Dollar and, and what, what this team, what their capabilities are. Portland really came out and took it to the Lakers, but you know, at the same time, the Lakers, I think they shot five for 31 from three. And you're never really going to get that. You're never going to see a repeat of that. And that's why you see in game two, the Lakers come out and dominate and win by 30 plus points. Dame Lillard dislocates his finger. So now they're in trouble with their star player hurt. CJ McCollum's already hurt. So, you know, I think that it was a, it was a great start for the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, got everyone excited about what they're doing. They had a great show out showing in the bubble. But now it's Lakers time. I think you'll see the Lakers take over and win this thing in probably five games and take it to the next round. Really? I, I look at right now the Trailblazers, their roster, even with uh, Damian Lillard, he's going to play with a semi-dislocated finger. And Carmelo Anthony's still on a team. They still have Nurkic on the team. Collins is on a team. This is a good team. Hussein Whiteside is still on a team. Mm-hmm. The Portland Trailblazers have a lot of depth. So I don't think it's over yet. And by the way, LeBron James has not played well in this series. Does he look old? Maybe old time is hitting him now? I, I don't know, but I expect LeBron James to pick up his game. And if he does pick up his game, I don't think the Portland Trailblazers are going to be able to compete. But Anthony Davis has taken over. And some of their bench players have played very, very well. So I've been very impressed impressed with the Lakers, especially knowing that LeBron James is not playing at the top of his game right now. Yeah, I mean, one thing, knowing that LeBron hasn't played his best game, although he did play well in game two, he played a solid game. He didn't, he doesn't have to do much, Mm -hmm. you know, with the cast that he has, but I'm a big believer in the NBA is like a team shows you who they are. 
And there's a reason why Portland had to scrap and claw to get into the playoffs. And there's a reason why the Lakers were the number one seed from the start of the season. You know, they're just a better team. The Lakers, if they were to have Avery Bradley, we wouldn't even be talking about how competitive. I agree with you. He does such a great job of defending on the perimeter. He applies pressure offensively and really helps his team run. But without him, Rajon Rondo is, is coming back into the fold. You know, they have some players that can fill that void, but overall, they're the most talented team in the league. The Clippers can give them problems if they can get out of the Dallas round. But, you know, when you look at Dallas, their star player spraining his ankle. So he's not going to be at peak performance. So these playoffs are interesting. It is crazy how they're how they're playing out with no real home court advantage. And, and I like to see it. It's, it's fun to watch. You mentioned Dallas. Dallas looked like they were going to give the Clippers a huge problem, especially with Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is a superstar player. You just said he hurt his ankle. We don't know how healthy he's going to be moving forward in this series. I think they could still cause a lot of problems for the Clippers because the Clippers cannot defend KP, a guy that can get inside and dominate in the paint as good as he is, athletically as he is. They don't have a lot of size. They're not the LA Lakers. So that's that is going to be a mismatch moving forward in this series. If Kristaps needs to take over, I believe Kristaps could take over a game. But with Kawhi Leonard being healthy, Paul George being healthy, and some of the players that they have, the Clippers are the better team, and they have the better coach. But Dallas has been very impressive. Kristaps is showing more and more that he is a superstar player, and the Knicks were really stupid for trading him. And Kristaps Porzingis, say whatever you want, skinny and tall, the guy is a mean player. How many times have we seen him get into squirmishes on the court if it's not what more is with somebody else. He doesn't back down from anybody. And I have to give him a lot of credit because when I look at a guy tall and lengthy like that, you flick him and you think he's going to fall. He doesn't fall. He doesn't back down from nobody. So I love the fact that Dallas is not backing down from the Clippers, even though the Clippers are easily the better team. My thing with Kristaps is he's obviously very talented. He's very unique in what he does, and he's able to fill up the scoreboard, but I don't see a killer when I see him. I don't see a guy who's going to drive the nail into the coffin at the end of the game. I see a guy who likes to be a complimentary player. I don't think that he can personally just take over a game. I haven't seen him in the playoffs just have that cutthroat mentality that you saw out of Kobe, that you see out of Jordan, that LeBron has shown, Kawhi Leonard has shown. I know Luka is an amazing player. He's one of the premier players in this league, and he's going to be one of the greater point guards to play the game. But when you look at Kristaps, they complement each other well. They're a great duo. They're going to grow together. But at this point in his career, I don't think he's ready. Eric, you were just... I don't think he can handle that pressure. But Eric, you were just saying Kristaps, this is the first time Kristaps has been in the playoffs. He was never in the playoffs with the bad New York Knicks. So this is his first time in the playoffs, and he's played pretty well. What is he averaging? 25, 26 points a game? That's not bad for the first three games of his playoff career. I admit that he is a very good player, and and he's able to put up points and to be a complimentary player, but he's not the guy that's just going to take over the game like give me the ball it's going down I'm going to create buckets for my teammates I'm going to get buckets I'm going to get rebounds he just doesn't have that aggression that you need in the playoff atmosphere and I just haven't seen it I don't know if he's going to have to develop that from experience but right now that's what I think is keeping the Dallas Mavericks from competing with the LA Clippers the Rockets right now up 2-0 against OKC it's very interesting right now because I thought OKC was going to give them somewhat of a challenge and the Rockets were going to have problems in this series because I don't believe James Harden is a playoff player, but James Harden's played well. Russell Westbrook's played well under this offense. What is going on with OKC and Chris Paul? It's so tough to defend the Rockets. They are constantly applying pressure at you. They're pushing the ball up the court. James Harden is one of the best transition players that we've seen in the NBA. He can step back. He can take you to the cup. He's probably the best one-on-one player that we've seen in a long time. When you're putting up points like that and you're OKC, what player is going to match those buckets? 
Chris Paul, yes, he can score. He's not going to put up 30. He can be competitive. He can get assists and set up his teammates, but they don't have that star player that's going to knock down threes. That's going to take you on the ISO and get you those big buckets when you need them. So I think that's why the Rockets advance past the Oklahoma City Thunder fairly quickly. And Denver and Utah, nobody would have thought that Denver was going to be behind against the Utah Jazz. Utah completely dominated in game number three. I want to see Denver figure things out because with this team and the depth that they have and probably the best bench in the NBA, you would have expected them to put even more of a challenge up for Utah. If Utah wins game number four, this series is over. I agree with you. And I would have liked to have seen Denver put up more of a fight than they did in in game three. Donovan Mitchell is is taking his game to another level. Spider Mitchell, he's a New York kid. He's grimy, scrappy, and I I love the way he attacks the game, but he's really taking over these playoffs. I think that Utah has a really nice cast, a really tight-knit group, and they play great team basketball. And, you know, that's really showing in this first round against the Nuggets. In the Eastern Conference, we have Milwaukee and Orlando. Who would have thought that Orlando would be tied with Milwaukee 1-1? Could you imagine if Orlando surprises the world and knocks off Milwaukee who's the favorite to come out of the East? I would love it. They're putting up a fight. Of course Giannis, you know, he got suspended for a game with a little headbutt that he did, but everyone says that Giannis is the next greatest thing or I, I know he's a great player, but you know, we'll see in these playoffs if he takes it to the next level. You know, that's this is where stars are born. This is where you see your legacy built in the playoffs when you can take over games, when you can elevate your team to the next level. And you know, between Giannis and Middleton, they have some players that can get it done, but as these playoffs go, as these series get deeper into the, the series, you'll start to see the cream rise to the top. Everything will equal out as it should be. Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat and Pat Riley's Miami Heat is up 2-0. I would have never thought this. Now, I do believe Miami had a chance to win this series, even though I picked Indianapolis. But when you look at the big picture right now, Miami is completely dominating every single aspect of the game. Defense, offense, even the coaching has been Mm -hmm. remarkable. Jimmy Butler is showing us why everybody believed he was a superstar. He went to the Timberwolves. It didn't work out there for some reason with Andrew Wiggins and, and Carl Anthony Towns. But for some reason, he goes over there with Pat Riley and they're winning. It's unbelievable. Jimmy Buckets, man, this is why he's a killer. You know, he's one of those guys that that I was talking about. I was comparing Christos Porzingis to, like, Jimmy Butler will go slit your throat. You know, and he will will not hesitate to do it. You know, he's a guy that can go out there and, and get buckets for his team. He's he's feisty. He's going to scrap. He's going to expect greatness out of his team. You know, I read an article about the culture of the Miami Heat, and Jimmy Butler was talking about how if his teammates aren't playing up to the level that he expects or they're not giving the effort, then he's going to cuss them out. And at the same time, if he's not playing up to that level, his teammates and his coaches are going to cuss him out. And they have that, that accountability, that respect for one another. And I think that that's something that when you bring a Jimmy Butler into the fold, you have to be ready for that. The 76ers weren't ready for that. They had a bunch of guys who were sensitive, who were in their feelings. You know, this Miami Heat team, you know, they're young, they're tough. They understand it. They have Pat Riley running the show, and Pat Riley is no nonsense as they come. So I think it's a great fit to bring Jimmy Butler and Pat Riley together, and I'm excited to see what they do moving in you know, through the playoffs. I think they're going to give Milwaukee some problems when they get to when they get to that Well, series. hold on one second. We have to see them get through with Orlando. We were just talking about it. Or if Orlando oh, somehow. Orlando. Oh, we'll see. I don't know, man. Milwaukee has not looked good. And by the way, Jimmy Butler's a great player. Just keep him away from your girlfriend. That's all you got to do. <laughs> keep him away from your girlfriend and you will be good. Jimmy Buckets is, is one sensational player. We've seen what he could do. He's one of the best two-way players in the NBA. The Boston Celtics in the 76ers. I thought this was going to be the best series 
in the first round. This has been the worst series in the first round. Joel Embiid, I don't know what's going on. Ben Simmons is out. We don't know what this team is. Brown's going to be fired after this series. He's going to absolutely be fired. They need to figure something out. This team is too talented to be swept by the Boston Celtics. They're up 3-0. And I'm telling you right now, Boston is as dangerous as any team in the playoffs. If somehow Boston squeaks into the Eastern Conference Finals to the NBA Championship, I believe Boston can win an NBA Championship this year. Kemba Walker is a sensational player. Oh, yeah. I love Boston Celtics. I love how they play. Kemba, a guy who's a a smaller player that can just light you up. He can light up the scoreboard. You know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, they have so much talent on the perimeter uh, for the Celtics. And, you know, it's really frustrating to watch the 76ers play. I mean, you see a guy like Joel Embiid in the first game. You know, I want to say in the first half, he was like, you know, I I think he made like 11 shots or something like that, 11 points. Um, And in the rest of the game, he barely gets the ball. And I don't understand how you have such a dominant player in the middle and you neglect to give him the ball. Like if I had Shaq down there, my offense is running through Shaq and I'm not comparing Joel Embiid to Shaq, but he can be dominant at times. I agree. And he can give guys problems down low. And when you're not feeding him the ball, like what do you expect him to do? You know, and, and, you know, you see him emotional on the sidelines. You see how frustrated he is. But, you know, that's what that's what's tough about playing the center position. You're not bringing the ball up the court. You're not controlling the flow of the game. And and I don't understand why his teammates and coaching staff isn't giving this man the ball. What is going on with the lonely Brooklyn Nets? They fired Kenny Atkinson at the trade deadline, made absolutely no sense, and now all of a sudden they look like they're going to get swept by the Toronto Raptors, the champion Toronto Raptors. Now, Toronto looks like they're a great team. They don't have Kawhi Leonard this year going through the playoffs. They're number one guy, but Lowry looks good. They have the players. They have the bench to win championships, and they've been absolutely dominant in this series. No Kyrie Irvin and no Kevin Durant means no chance in hell. And the Brooklyn Nets are looking like the joke right now of the playoffs. And that's where the playoff experience comes through. I think I told you this. I went. I took my daughter to uh, the Nets Raptors game earlier in the season. I feel bad for you. <laughs> yeah, oh man, it was. But it was. It was nice. You know, they, they didn't have Siakam. He was not playing. Mm-hmm. But Van Vliet, you know, took over the game. Uh, they they have so many good players and they play team ball. I mean, when you look at that Raptors roster, they have so many athletes. I mean, they're big, they're long, they 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 can defend well. Uh, you know, they it, it's tough to get a bucket against them. You know, and, and when, with the guy like Van Bleed out there hitting threes, I don't know if you saw his half court. Oh yeah, last night <laughs> but, he's unbelievable. I mean, when you he got really it going is. like that, I, I think it's uh, it's a fair sign that it's your time to to advance to the next round. Well, there's no time for New York Knicks fans and Brooklyn Nets fans anytime soon. That's for sure. Maybe Kevin Durant <laughs> coming back next year. Maybe that'll help them. But I don't know what to expect next year for the NBA and for New York basketball. When we come back, we're gonna get into the NHL playoffs here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by the New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Wow, what an NHL playoff we are watching, man. It has been incredible. It is nothing like the NBA playoffs. The NHL playoffs is nothing like 
college football. It's nothing, nothing like the NBA. It's nothing like the NFL. It's nothing like anything you ever thought. When you watch the NHL playoffs, the speed of the game, you don't need any fans out there. You really don't. And what you're seeing right now is teams that you wouldn't expect to move on have moved on. And the New York Islanders, and I will say this as an Islander fan and as a realist, they have played incredible hockey, especially against a Washington Capitals team. Let's be honest. We're a better team. They're a better all-around team. They're all, all four lines are better than the Islanders' four lines, even their goaltending. Holpe, I don't know what happened to Holpe. I, 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 he completely disappeared. I don't even know. This guy was a Venziana Trophy winner. This was one of the best goalies in the NHL for the last three or four years and completely fallen off the last two seasons. I... I, I, I can't even say much about it. The fact that Bolivier has looked like a superstar player. He scored five goals. I think so, yeah. He scored five goals. I think he has almost 10 or 11 points so far in the playoffs. He's been the best player for the Islanders. Ever since Pelic's come back, the defense has been remarkable. This is one of the best defensive teams in the last two years. Pelic got hurt in the middle of the season, tore his Achilles, and everybody thought the season was over for the Islanders because their defense was terrible in the second half. All of a sudden, uh, because of COVID-19, the Islanders had time to heal. Pelic had time to heal. And look at what Pelic's doing right now in the playoffs. Look at what the Islanders are doing in the playoffs. They shut down Alex- Alexander Ovechkin. Now, everybody knows how great Ovechkin is and what he could do in the playoffs. He's, I think, fourth all-time in points, yep. all-time. And you watch what the Islanders did. They completely, Pulik, Pulak, whatever, and Pelik completely shut down the number one line for the Washington Capitals. The other thing that was impressive, too, was the offense as a whole against a Capitals defense that's very talented, too. Now, you mentioned Hope he had a bad series. He had a bad year, too, for the most part, but you're right. He's been notoriously good, especially lately in the playoffs. So that is surprising, too, in itself. The Islanders are getting third, fourth line contributions. They're getting scoring from guys that were secondary scoring types throughout the regular season. You and I have talked about it. The Islanders need that finisher, and Mm. they've gotten from a variety of sources, and that's a big key. And if you could beat a team that talented with that many goals the way they did, especially how dominant they were the first couple games of the series, that's a good sign for them going forward because we always say that you need defense to win, and they just beat one of the best defenses with some good offense and some great defense, like you were saying, on a star player like Ovechkin. Outside of game four, he was nowhere to be found. Eric, you're an Islander fan. I know you're an Islander yeah. fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, what, that's what I love about you know, this team. Uh, they're a very well-coached team, and, and that's why you know, the next round is going to be that much more important. But you know, when you talk about uh, you know, getting the most out of your players, uh, I mean, the Islanders, they are really playing as a, as a unit. You know, they're playing team defense. Uh, they're, they're coming up with great um, strategies offensively to, to, get, to get points. You know, I, I love the, the team approach that they use. And, you know, and that's what I'm talking about when I go back to the Knicks. You know, it doesn't take a superstar player. If you get a bunch of guys out there that are on the same page and that are willing to sacrifice and play great defense and play team ball, then you can find a winner. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, Knicks fans, the, the Islanders are, are an example of what your team could be if they all sacrificed and got the right pieces. Get Barry Trotz. Let, let Barry Trotz oh, yeah, be there. NBA. He's never coached in the NBA. Maybe if the Knicks hire Barry Trotz, maybe he'll he'll teach uh, team defense to the New York Knicks. Who knows? Can't be I, any worse than Hornacek. Oh, <laughs> Hornacek was terrible. Absolutely horrendous, man. But how about Philadelphia knocking off Montreal? Now the Islanders are going to be playing the Philadelphia Flyers. This is going to be a hard-nosed, beat-up series I'm very excited about this series because you got two very young teams. Both got both teams love to hit and very well coached. Both of them very well coached. 
I'm excited. What do you think about their young goaltender right now, Philadelphia? Oh, he's fantastic. He's been a rising goaltender for a while now, but we didn't know what he was going to be in the playoffs, and he's shown every bit that he's been fantastic in the playoffs. He had one bad game where he got pulled against the Canadians in Game 5, but that was really it. He's been fantastic beyond that. That's going to be a tough test for the Islanders. He's got good movement, good size, and and the other thing that's going to be interesting is the forwards playing defense, too. The Flyers have a lot of guys that can do that. They're not a great overall defensive team in terms of defensemen, but they got forwards that can hit and play great defense, especially their veterans. And also Boston. Boston knocked off the Hurricanes. And when I watched the Hurricanes and I thought the Hurricanes matched up very, very well against Boston, I'm sorry. Boston completely dominated that series, completely blew out the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Rob Brindamore's team, who a lot of people thought was going to be able to compete with the Boston Bruins, especially losing against them in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, you thought they were going to come out strong like Tampa did against the Blue Jackets and knocked off the Blue Jackets. I'm sorry. I, I, I think this series, again, Boston and Tampa, is going to be the best series because you have two very upscale offensive teams that can put the puck in the net. I think this series is going to be a high-scoring series, more than a defensive goaltending series, because I don't trust I don't trust Halak. As everybody knows, knows me, I, I'm an Islander fan. I never trusted Halak. So I don't think Halak is going to be the guy that's going to shut down a Tampa Bay Lightning team as talented as this. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because the – Lightning have had the Bruins number for the most part in terms of head-to-head matchups. So they definitely have that, and they beat the Bruins two years ago in the postseason in five games. But again, the Bruins are a lot deeper now. Obviously, they have the experience from the Cup last year, and that'll end up making a difference in terms of making that a closer series. And two different identities is very interesting. And Halak, I mean, he had that great playoff run in Montreal all the way to the Eastern Oh, give me a break about Halak. He's terrible. So if he can get get back to that form... The Bruins will definitely have a Eric's shot. a better goaltender. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I'll put Eric in net. <laughs> but, but this is a whole nother... He's bigger. He's stronger. Yeah. This is a whole nother test with the lightning offensive depth. I think it's the best in the league. So that's going to be a big test for Halak. Eric, could you skate? I can get from point A to point B. <laughs> but stopping... You know, you know what? I always, um, my nephew is a big, a big hockey player on Long Island. And, uh, and I always tell them, I don't need to learn how to skate. I just need to learn how to do that stop. You know, when you guys jump to the side <laughs> yes. and, uh, and the ice goes up, yes. that's all I want to do. I could teach you that. That's very easy. But, it, it's, but it's, very quite, easy. it's quite the, uh, the spectacle to see my, my kids and I out there on the ice rink. <laughs> well, I could teach you because I'm a pretty good teacher when it comes to ice skating. I was a, okay. a big-time hockey player. But I'll tell you this, Vancouver knocking off St. Louis was the biggest upset in the first round, it's not even close. A young Vancouver team this fast. I'm going to take Vancouver maybe against the Vegas Knights. I would be worried about your cup pick. <laughs> I picked Vegas to win the Stanley Cup, but Vancouver with the speed that they have, the goaltending that they've showed during the playoffs, I have been absolutely impressed with this team. Very well coached, and you see what they could do. Vegas, is they're a talented team. All around, four lines, good defense, great goaltending. And, and, and you look at Lerner, who has taken over from Marc-Andre Fleury because of injury. Uh, Lerner hasn't – he really hasn't, hasn't lost a beat. He really hasn't. So th- this is going to be the best series. You know why? Because you're going to see two teams that want it. Vegas wants to get back to the NHL Stanley Cup Finals because they got robbed a couple of years ago where they believed they were the better team, and I believe they were the better team that year. And now this year, they were going into the playoffs as the best team, I believe, all-around team. They're the better team in this series, but Vancouver was not the better team against St. Louis, and St. Louis completely got bullied. They got bullied but, in that series. But Vancouver did one thing that they needed to show that they could do, and that was get 
depth scoring. Their fourth line, their third line guys, even though defensemen— They were beating the hell out of them. They were, and that's a big deal for Vancouver, who— I thought was top heavy for much of the time. And when they, even when they were beating Minnesota, they were beating them more with the top heavy guys. The stars were showing out. Now Horvat played very well against St. Louis. I'm not saying the stars didn't play well against St. Louis, but they had other guys that stepped up on the third and fourth line. That guy Mott, especially, I think had four goals in that series. And that was very impressive for them to show. So they're going to need to do that against Vegas because Vegas gets depth scoring too. They've done it all the time throughout their three years of existence so far. How the hell did Dallas get through that series? Unbelievable. And by the way, who was the kid that we interviewed? Patrick Turner. <laughs> Patrick Turner has been texting me every single day about his Dallas Stars. We, we talked football. This is a, he's a top-ranked linebacker in the country. Uh, he, he went to Navy. And, and, and to me, he went back and forth with me, Eric, arguing that Dallas was the better team. I said, you're out of your mind. And Dallas completely, after that interview... Dallas completely took over that series. Yeah. <laughs> they completely took over that series. And Turner, he likes sticking it every day. He's telling me, "Oh, what about my Dallas Stars? What about my Dallas Stars?" This is a this is a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound linebacker telling me this. So I, I didn't know he was that big of a, a Dallas Stars fan. But every day he likes to stick it to my face every day. And now they're playing a Colorado Avalanche team, very talented, probably the fastest team in the playoffs, and. They are they completely dominated in the first round. And I think looking at this series, the way Dallas played the last series, Dallas is a bigger team. They're the bigger team uh, against Colorado. Colorado's the faster team, but the more veterans and, and the bigger team is Dallas. And Dallas hit the hell out of um, Flames. the Flames the last series. And nobody thought Flames were the one of the people. There were a lot of people thinking that the Flames were going to win the Stanley Cup this year. A lot of people thought I had they had the a talent. Finals, yeah. They had the talent, but unbelievably, I don't know how it happened. Dallas moves on, and they play the Colorado Avalanche. Eric, uh, you, you know about hitting people. Uh, that you do know because you're a former football player. But uh, Dallas completely pulverized Calgary in the last series. Well, I mean, listen, you know, in football, in hockey, you know, whatever, you, whatever you're talking about in a, a contact sport, you know, the, the team that... that hockey yeah, is more no, rough. I'm, I'm not comparing... Oh, look at that. You're sticking up for no, hockey players. Look at that. Look I'm at that. Who, who dictates the tempo, you know, is typically the one that is going to win. And, and that's what I love about these playoffs is like, you know, listen, these aggressive teams, these teams that are underdogs. But listen, if, if you're dictating the tempo, you're, you're the one, you're the hammer, you're not the nail. You're the one that that's bringing the fight to the other team and you're playing team ball. And you get some confidence, man, that... that I'll take that team over any team that, that was ranked higher during the season, whoever put up more points, because the playoffs are not about the best team. They're about who's the hottest, you know, who's playing the best ball, who's playing the most physical, who's playing uh, complimentary hockey, who's playing complimentary football, you know. So, so I'll take the team who, who's, who's fighting right now and, and is hot and is confident. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what the, the case may be. I don't care how much experience you have. If you're confident, you're playing, you know, some great team ball, or, or hockey, puck, whatever you call it. <laughs> you. Puck. Who would have thought Eric Coleman would have stand up for hockey players being tougher than football players? Who would oh, have thought? Man, man I, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, listen, look what you're landing on. I mean, we're landing on grass over here in football. In hockey, you, you, you're going to skate faster. You're going to be running faster. You get hit into a board. Hey, I'm cool, man. <laughs> I mean, there's too many, there's too many toothless hockey players. Yes, uh, for for me to argue that <laughs> football stuff. Words of the wise, Eric Coleman. <laughs>
When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the NFL football contracts. Are the players taking over the league? Well, Melvin Ingram has his own thoughts to it here on the Weekend Crunch. A little usher, baby. Oh. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Speedy, I got it right there. As you guys know, the Weekend Crunch is brought to you by the New York Sports Scene Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Very, very tired day. After the show, I, I'm going to actually DJ an engagement party. It's nonstop. I was working out at 5 o'clock in the morning, like you, buddy, all the time, working out, teaching, doing things, calisthenic workouts, because I can't really lift weights right now because of my neck. But I'm not like you, man. I'm not doing 50, 100 burpees or whatever the heck you're doing every single day. <laughs> Are you sure you're able to work out with your tattoo injury? Oh, my God. It hurts. Doing push-ups, sometimes I, I wonder if I could do any push-ups today. But I did. I worked out a little bit. A little tiring, but uh, yes, I'm still very, very sore from the tattoo. Well, the NFL, is, is, it's been very, very interesting offseason. And I haven't had a chance to watch Hard Knocks yet, and I'm going to watch Hard Knocks starting this week. I'm going to watch episode one and episode two. I've missed the first two episodes, and I'm looking forward to getting the opportunity because I love Hard Knocks. It's my favorite show, and unfortunately, I haven't watched the, the two L.A. teams. I don't know how the Rams are on Hard Knocks again. They were on Hard Knocks two years ago, and now they're on Hard Knocks again. I, I don't understand it. Actually, they've been on Hard Knocks three times. This is their third time in almost six years. I think they were on with Fisher. This is their third time in like six years they've been on Hard Knocks. It's, it's absolutely crazy. But I wanted to get into this, and we've been arguing this for a very, very long time. And I know it's a players league. I know you're going to argue the points for the players. But the NFL right now is in a lot of trouble. And I'm going to tell you why. When you look at some of these players, like Melvin Ingram right now is holding out because he wants a new contract. Uh, we, we saw what Melvin Gordon did last year with the Chargers, and he practically missed half the season coming back, and then he injured himself, and now he's playing for the Broncos, and he took less money going to the Broncos, which makes absolutely no sense. To me, what the NFL needs to figure out right now is figuring out the contract display of how they're going to negotiate the contracts moving forward after their rookie contract, maybe cutting their rookie contract instead of the four or five years, cutting it down to three years, and then giving the players the contracts that they want. Because these players after three years are demanding big-time contracts, especially if they're superstar players. And you have guys like Melvin Ingram, and we've seen players like Muhammad Wilkerson, and we've mentioned all the players, Jamal Adams, all these guys, they're demanding. We saw what Bell did with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He decided to sit out for a season because he wanted a bigger contract. He winded up going to the Jets for lesser money, lowering a lifetime in the contract. So you look at right now the NFL and how the NFL is moving with these contracts, Eric. I am very concerned right now because with the new CBA coming out in the next couple of years, Roger Goodell is going to have to figure something out with these contracts. Well, I mean, well, they just signed a new CBA. Yes. And, and this is going to happen every year because there's always going to be, you know, with football, this is never going to change about business. The owners and the, the people who write the checks are going to try to get the most amount of talent for as little money as possible. So when the players start to understand their worth or they start to outplay their contract and, and start to take it to the next level, the lifespan in the NFL is so short that you have to strike while the iron's hot. And so that's why I will never blame these players for holding out to get their money because you never know you're one play away from not having a career, not having a payday. I mean, how many times have we seen it? 
you know, where, where a guy, you know, come, goes, gets franchised, he comes out and gets hurt, and then his career is never the same. He never made that money back. So, you know, that's just the economics of, of football. And, and if I'm fine with every year, if there's a handful of guys who are holding out for their contracts, that shows that the league is doing the right thing. If there's 1,500 players and five guys are holding out, and half of those guys are probably going to be playing by the time the game start because they don't want to miss game checks. So I think it's going to be something that's going to happen as long as we play this game. The span that you have, especially as a running back, the running back's careers are very short. You know, everyone knows that everyone's not a Frank Gore. Everyone can't play for all these years at the running back position. A lot of those running backs are playing for seven years and they have, you know, four years locked in. They need to strike right now. So that's why I never blame them. Well, you have to look at positions, Eric, too. If, if you know the running back has a short span of career, five, six years, well, then if they get drafted, there has to be – maybe you change the CBA when the CBA becomes available again. Maybe change the CBA for running backs or certain positions because those positions are obviously they, – they're, they're not long-lasting. So I, I think that there has to be some kind of – way that Roger Goodell and the NFL could figure out on how negotiating these deals and trying to figure out their rookie deals on maybe running backs only having a two-year deal as a rookie and then maybe getting their long-term deal after that. Figure out ways for positions. I know what you're going to say. Well, they can't do that. There's anything, anything is possible when you look at the big picture. And if you know a position like the running back position being that there's only a four or five year lifespan of it. And you're going to say, well, there are other positions that they, they're probably only going to play three, four years as well. That's understandable. But the running backs get the worst beatings. They take the, the biggest brunt behind the line of scrimmage. So why is it that you, you see these quarterbacks? These quarterbacks are making tons and tons of money. You see what they're making. It's, it's crazy what they're making. After their four or five year deals uh, as a rookie, they're getting – Russell Wilson got that $70 million contract from the Seattle Seahawks. Now he wants more money, and they ex- I think they extended his contract. So you're, you're looking at all these players, all these quarterbacks. Cam Newton got a $100 million contract from Carolina. They didn't want to finish paying off the contract, so they, let, they released him. They let him go, and they brought in Teddy Bridgewater because he's cheaper. I, I understand what, what you're saying. Well, well the ownership and, and the way the CBA works – where it favors, it doesn't favor the players, but the, the players, the only way they have control is opting out or sitting out to get the contract they want. But it affects the league and affects the movement and, and the process of where the league is going as far as I'm concerned, where you have the opportunity to watch some of these great players. You might not have the opportunity to watch Melvin Ingram this year or Jamal Adams, even though Jamal Adams says he's not going to opt out with Seattle. He's going to wait until next year and he expects his big-time contract. Why couldn't, why couldn't Jamal do that this year with the Jets. You know why? Because Jamal Adams didn't want to be there. And that is the problem when I look at the NFL and the way the NFL is moving. The players control it, just like the NBA. You saw what LeBron James did with the NBA. You're seeing the same thing with the NFL. And to me, it's, it's appalling. It, it bothers me. And I'm sticking up for the fans, and I'm sticking up not for the owners because the owners are billionaires. I don't, I don't really care about the owners. I'm, I care about the fans. I really care about the fans because the fans are losing out, not the – I don't necessarily think the fans are losing out. You know, if, if a player's not – They don't get to see camp. the player? Come on, well, Eric. Well, if a guy's holding out a training camp, are you watching practice? You know, like, <laughs> listen, you, if you want to get this guy locked in, if you think he's a franchise player, then, you know, sign him up for the long haul. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's really affecting the league. You know, I, I think that you have literally, you know, five players every year who are in a big fight over their contract. And a lot of times the team that you're signed to, they don't value you as much as the rest of the league does. So sometimes free agency, getting released, getting traded is the best bet for everybody. You know, you you saw what the Jets got for Jamal Adams. 
And now, now I'd be lying <laughs> to you I if I said that, you know, that's going to make a huge impact because look at Marcus May. He's having the best training camp for the Jets. <sighs> Looks great. Out of, out of any player. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with, with, with the NFL is like, it's not a problem. It's a great thing about the NFL is that there are, listen, where, where you may not be as good as Jamal Adams, a team can survive with putting Eric Coleman in for Jamal Adams because I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to get beat. I take I'm you over him any day. Football. I take you, know, you, you over him any day. Every once in a while, you get an elite player who's like above and beyond, and, and they're, they're going to transcend. They're going to be a star player. But at the, for the majority, when you look at the, the, the odds, a running back, you can get a free agent running back, give him an opportunity, put him in the right situation, and he's a star. You know, that's the NFL. Any, anybody who I ever faced, you know, everyone asks me, like, who's the best receiver you ever played against? I tell them whoever's out there, you know, because <laughs> I've been burnt by guys that came off practice squad that same week, and they, they've gone out there and give, given me problems. You know what I mean? And then you play against a Pro Bowl guy, and he's okay. But that's, that's the, the, the talent level in the NFL. There's so many great players that is just about opportunities. And when you get that opportunity and you play well, you have to take advantage of it, and that's why you have to demand some money. Now, now, quarterback position is different. Quarterbacks, pass rushers, cornerbacks, those guys are unicorns. They are hard to find. It's hard to find a guy who can throw the ball. There's only about 15 guys in the world who, can be, who are elite quarterbacks. And when I say elite, I'm not talking about, you know, are they Tom Brady or whatever. When I say elite, to be starters, to be contention to pro bowlers, to, to slice up a defense, there's only 15 guys in the world that can do that. Now, when you get one of those guys, you've got to lock them up. When you get a when you get a pass rusher, uh, you know a, a Joey Bosa, you know you know somebody who's amazing. You got to lock them up. You got to pay them because everybody else is going to pay them twice the amount of money, and everybody's willing to sacrifice a lot for that talent. Well, I, I will say this: you, if you're watching the Jets one drive on YouTube, if you guys don't have an opportunity to watch it or go on Facebook, Jets Drive, you can absolutely watch episode after episode. Marcus May looks sensational. Quinton Williams looks sensational. And their offensive line, Makai Becta, it looks like he's a man beast. They look impressive. They really do. Uh, Eric, I'm very excited for the season. Even though without C.J. Mosley, I'm very excited moving forward with the New York Jets and this young team. Yeah, I'm excited for them as well. You know, they, they, I mean, they put together a great offensive line. You know, hopefully they'll, they'll become a great offensive line. You know, you know their defense. You know what you're going to get from that defense. You know, Greg Williams is going to attack you. He's going to take it to you. Um, you know, they're going to put together some great game plans. They have a star quarterback, a, a great running back. I, I mean, there's, there's a ton of talent, and all it's going to take, you know, the majority of the thing it's going to take is for them to stay healthy. If they can keep their stars healthy, if they can keep their great players healthy, I think the Jets, you know, this is the time right now to strike if you're in the AFC East. I mean, you have the New England Patriots who, you know, their quarterback who, who's projected to start ahead of Cam Newton is is hurt with it. He's out with a, a hip injury. You know, Cam Newton, who knows what player we're going to get from Cam Newton. There's a lot of hype behind Cam. Uh, you know, he's a special player. You know what he's done, but can he throw the ball? Buffalo, they're a team that's, that's ascending. Miami, you know, they, they were competitive last year. So this is a time right now for the Jets, if they're going to strike, if they're going to fight for their piece of the AFC East, this is the time. And I I think they have to put something together this year. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be doing this every week because I have my own thoughts to a lot of subjects, and I'm sure Eric does. We are going to go in and through debate hour here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. Yes! Long Island, New York, and worldwide. It's Errol Marks. 
and Mr. Eric Coleman. We are live on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Wow, this is like our fifth or sixth episode. It's going so fast, and happy to have Eric as my partner. And We're going to be, I'm telling you, we're going to be the best sports radio show in the country very, very soon. We, we're happy to be here for JVC Broadcasting, for letting us to do, do this show on their network for the first time. Uh, for, for us being uh, together for the first time. So I'm very excited about that. But we do this every single week. I want to I wanna have an argumental segment with Mr. Eric Coleman because Eric has his own thoughts with sports. I've got my own thoughts with sports. So we're going to call this segment Debate Hour. Are you ready, Speedy? Oh, yeah. Here we go. All righty. So Errol's been arguing this pretty much all week with both with Mark and with his friend Eric on Thursday. Who is the better quarterback all time, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? Go ahead, Eric. Let's hear this. Come on, come on, come on. Listen, I, I've had the, the honor and privilege to play against both of these, these greats. Uh, they're two legends. They're, they're two of the best to do it. Uh, but I don't think there's any argument that, that Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever play the game. <sighs> I mean, he's, he's really, you know, I, I mean, his, his, his resume speaks for itself. All the Super Bowls, all the wins, you know, he's dominated. Oh, so that's what it is. It's Super Bowls. You know football is a team sport. You know this. You played football. He didn't win it himself. It's it's statistics. Oh, get out of here, Eric. I mean, the way that he picks apart defense is is unlike anything I've ever seen. Peyton Manning's played in less years in his standpoint. Ah. My my, my respect for Tom Brady is is infinite. You know what I mean? I have a ton of respect for him, although I I don't like him because we played against each other (laughs) and he dominated us. I beat him once. I intercepted him once. But, um, I remember that game. He's, he's a great player, man. He's one of the best. It's players. Peyton Manning. It's not even a question. Why? Because he hasn't won six Super Bowls. Uh, yes. He well. Here's the thing. Tom Brady was under Bill Belichick his whole career. Peyton Manning was under three other coaches. Tony Dungy. If if he had Tony Dungy as his number one as coach for all his, his whole career, then we can argue the points. But he first of all, the offense ran through Peyton Manning's offense. It wasn't Tom Brady or Bill Belichick's offense. It was. The offense was Peyton Manning. So, and if you look at the numbers, Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. Now, if statistically, uh, yes, Tom Brady is a better statistical quarterback in the playoffs, but Peyton Manning has a winning record against Tom Brady in the playoffs, three and two. So, I, I'm sorry, I'm taking Peyton Manning, and I, I would even probably take Drew Brees over Tom Brady. I. You, when you're well, under, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're talking about all time, I mean, you got to throw my man Joe Montana. Oh, Joe Montana is the number one. He's number one. You know, quarterbacks that that can be in that conversation. But listen, I'm, I'm not discounting Peyton Manning. I, I think that that's that's something that we could argue to with Blue. Absolutely, you know, I'm I'm going to be right, but, still <laughs> argue, but Peyton Manning is a great quarterback. But I think that would if you you know, have a consensus around the league. I think Tom Brady has more respect. That's not fair because you played against both of them. I never played against both of them. So that's not fair. That's not fair, Eric. One win for Coleman. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to basketball. Which power forward was better before they joined LeBron James? Kevin Love or Chris Bosh? Go ahead, Eric. That, that's a great question. Now, now Kevin Love was, was a baller. Kevin Love, you know, was a, was a great player uh, inside, outside, and was, uh, you know, he was an all-pro. You know, he, I mean, he's a first-team all-pro, I want to say. Uh, he's a great player. Um, you know, Chris Bosh was always great in Toronto. You know, uh, a great athlete. He's long. He does a great job. But I'm going to go with Kevin Love on this one. I, I think Kevin Love had a better career before LeBron. 
And, and once they got together, you thought it was going to be such a great chemistry between the two, and it didn't really work out. But I'm going to go Kevin Love. Oh, both of them. If you look at their numbers, when Chris Bosh was over there in Toronto, he averaged about 22, 23, and about 9. Same thing with Kevin Love. Kevin Love averaged about 23, 24, and 9, or 10. That's what he was. He was a double-double machine over there with Minnesota. When they both went, well, one went to Miami, one went to Cleveland, both of them averaged about the same amount of points. Both of them averaged about 16, 17 points and about 9 or 8 rebounds. But I think Chris Bosh was the better player, and I'm going to take Chris Bosh because of what Chris Bosh could do defensively. Chris Bosh was the best defensive power forward in the NBA. So when you put him with Dwayne Wade, who's one of the best defensive shooting guards in NBA history, and then LeBron James, I mean, you're a better defensive team. So I, I do believe it's Chris Bosh. Yeah, uh, you know, well, there's, there's no doubt that Chris Bosh is a better defender, but, you know, offensively, uh, Kevin Love is, is miles ahead of Chris Bosh. Really? Bosch. I'll get yeah. out of here. Get out of here. No way. No way. Man, Kevin Love <laughs> could take you outside, inside. That's 2 0 for the Big E man. all righty you probably eric you probably probably played against both of these guys too better linebacker in his time oh god of course Derek brooks or zach thomas Mm. Ooh, that's that's man that's a great question because anytime we're sitting here arguing about greatness you you have to have an amazing career um zach thomas was a was an ultimate underdog you know he's about 5'9 230 pounds i had the chance to meet zach down here i had the chance to meet both of them but zach was is so gritty he's a great football player you know he's, he's tough as nails he's smart he you know he can run you've got to be tough when you're that small of an inside linebacker Derek brooks he's probably one of the best athletes to play the position that we've ever seen i mean, I mean the way that he played that tampa two defense and, and read the quarterback's eyes and was able to make plays breaking on the quarterback I don't think that you can argue that Derek Brooks is the better football player I mean he's he's bigger he's faster he's stronger he he, he played longer and I think he was more effective so he's picking Derek Brooks yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Derek Brooks too. showing both of them love <laughs> I'm gonna go with Derek Brooks I like Zach Thomas uh, even though he played for the Miami Dolphins all those years and I couldn't stand him playing the New York Jets and I watched him pulverize the Jets sometimes aka Mr. Eric Coleman but I think it's Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks was part of a, a championship team. The guy knows how to win. The guy was a dominant force, and he's a Hall of Famer. Zach Thomas is not a Hall of Famer yet. Derek Brooks is. So that's the difference. You, you look at both players. We don't know if Zach Thomas will ever be a Hall of Famer. We know Derek Brooks is a Hall of Famer. So I'm going to go with Derek Brooks. All righty. Better three-point shooter, Ray Allen or Reggie Miller? No, that's a good one. <laughs> Hey, that's tough right there. I'm going to put it like this. If I have one shot left and I need my team, if I need three points, I'm going to go with Reggie Miller. He was competitive. He had a talent for getting open. You forgot what Ray Allen did. You forgot what he did with Miami. I I know, I know, I know, I know. Ray Allen hit some buckets, man. But, but man, Reggie Miller, I I mean, maybe it's because I grew up in the 90s. You know, I I think Reggie Miller, if he played in the same time, uh, he would be the better shooter. Uh, I, I, I can't stand Reggie Miller. I couldn't stand him. He killed the Knicks every single well, year. Well, yeah, why can't you stand him? Oh, man, he killed the Knicks. Every th- yeah. I saw him score eight, eight points in like 16 seconds. I mean, I, I can't stand Reggie Miller. But I, I'm, I'm going to go with Ray Allen. I think Ray Allen's the best three-point shooter I've ever seen besides Steph Curry. That's the only thing Steph Curry is good at. I'm, I'm so sorry for anybody that thinks he's <laughs> one of the top, top three, top four point guards of all time. It's ridiculous. But... I don't care what ESPN said, it's CBS and Bleacher Report, or whatever my friends keep telling me. I believe 
that Ray Allen's the greatest three-point shooter I've ever seen, and he is. I'm going to take Ray Allen because of what he has done in the NBA. He's won championships, and he's done it in a way that we have never seen it before. And, I, and that's the way I look at it. Milwaukee, Miami, wherever the hell he's gone, he's won. So I'm going to go with Ray Allen. Reggie Miller never won, by the way. All right, last one for today. Better tight end in his prime, Shannon Sharp or Antonio Gates? Man, 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 <laughs> man, you're killing me with this one. Uh oh. Because you know Shannon Sharp, Shannon Sharp, I believe revolutionized the position. You know he was the first to do it. He laid out the groundwork for guys like um, Antonio Gates to follow. But you know if you're if you're looking at you know just stats. Um, no, you know what? I'm going with Shannon Sharp. I'm going with Shannon Sharp because he was the first to do it. It's harder. It's harder to to, to build the path. You know what I mean? And, and Shannon Sharp did it for years. He won several Super Bowls. He did it on different teams and different offenses. Uh, he could run block. He can. You know, he was a problem in coverage. I, I'm gonna go with Shannon Sharp. Oh, Antonio Gates. As much as I like Shannon Sharp, and he's great on TV. Looks great on TV. Can dress good. Uh, he's better than Skip Bayless, that's for sure. But <laughs> nevertheless, I'm going with Antonio Gates. Uh, what he did with the Chargers, revolution. I believe he revolutionized the, the tight end position, especially being that he was a basketball player. When we talk about Tony Gonzalez, we talk about him. They changed the game. They, changed, they brought basketball players into the league that could play multiple positions, a.k.a. Uh, George Font, who was a, tie, you know, he was a basketball player, moved from tight end to the offensive line. So uh, I think that when you look at the game and how it's transitioned and what Antonio Gates has done, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest tight ends we've ever seen. Uh, and really, he was the blanket for Phillip Rivers all those years. So to me, it's absolutely Antonio Gates. All righty, that'll do it for this week. That's 5-0 for me, buddy. This week's <laughs> edition of, of Debate Hour. Woo! I guess you guys could judge for yourself. Rick Flair. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the segment that everybody's been waiting for. Well, Eric's waiting for. <laughs> A cup of coal here on the Weekend Crunch. Na 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 Oh yeah. He stole that. Ice Cube stole that. That's that West Coast, baby. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time on 103.9 LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by the New York Sports Team Magazine and the world wide sports radio network as you guys know we do this every single week eric's segment we call this a cup of coal a cup of coal all right guys this week uh my cup of coal and i I typically don't do this i I typically have uh, my fellow safeties back but my cup of coal this week is with earl thomas now i read uh, you know, with Earl Thomas, obviously he had his issues off the field this offseason uh, with his wife and the police were involved and things like that. And you would think that after going through going through, uh, uh, you know, a civil argument and being on the news and, you know, how embarrassing that was, that you would be kind of a, a model teammate. Well, not Earl Thomas. In training camp this week, it was it was said that Earl Thomas was in a physical altercation with his fellow safety. Now, I understand, you know, in training camp, things get chippy. 
you know, you fight teammates. You know, I, I've gotten plenty of fights against tight ends and, and offensive players in my training camp days. You know, that's just boys being boys. But when you fight with one of your brothers who you're playing with, Earl is a, is a free safety. He got in a fight with his fellow strong safety. And the fight lasted so long and it wouldn't stop that they had to send Earl Thomas home. And now there are rumors that the, the Baltimore Ravens are working on trying to find a way to get rid of Earl Thomas because it's become that much of a distraction. So, uh, you know, so that's my cup of cold is guys fighting with their own teammates and taking it to the next level. You know, it's one thing to be competitive. It's one thing to 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 want to to win a play, and it's going to get chippy. But when you take it, when you get it personal, when it becomes personal, especially with the guy that's in your room, there's there's no room for that in the game. Well, I, I will agree with you, and I, I didn't hear that story, so that's something new that I've heard. And I love Earl Thomas, and he, he's one of the best safeties in the league. He's a star safety. We saw what he did with Seattle. Baltimore was a better defensive team last year with Earl Thomas. If they're trying to move Earl Thomas, to me, it's only saying – things that's what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't know what Earl Thomas is doing. I don't know if the domestic violence story is true about him and his wife, but if he's fighting with people on the field, could you imagine what he's doing off the field? That's a huge problem right now. And it's not just Earl Thomas. There's a lot of, not just NFL players. We've heard stories with the NHL. Certain players on and off the ice. We've seen different things happen on and off the ice with some of these NHL players. Even in the MLB, we've seen it. Aroldis Chapman a couple of years ago supposedly pulled out his gun and shot at his wife. And nobody knows if he shot at his wife or he was shooting at something else. And he got suspended by the MLB too. And, and to me... Professional athletes, they take things in their own hands. They think because they're professional athletes and they have all the money in the world and they're in center stage and they have the the cameras on them, they can do whatever the hell they want. Unfortunately, with Earl Thomas and everything that we've heard with this story, you told me, and I'm going to probably read about this story after, that Earl Thomas doesn't deserve to be on this team. If If this is true, that Earl Thomas is starting fights on and off the field with not only his safeties but with players, then there's no room for a player like that on your team, and no matter how good you are. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's between Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark. Chuck Clark is a, a guy who's a former six-round pick who they just, the Ravens just signed to a $16 million deal. You know, they extended him for, for what he has done on the field. And so when, when, you, when you think about guys, you know, for me as a former player, being away from the game, and you look at a guy like Earl Thomas who's guaranteed $10 million this year. So if they release him or not, he's getting $10 million. When, when you see guys who are in it, and have the opportunity to capitalize and make as much money as possible, and their ego or whatever it may be uh, get, gets in the way, it, it's hard for me to, to see. Because once, once you're out of this game, there's no job that you just step into and make $10 million a year. You know, while you're here, let's, let's take advantage of it. Let's do the right thing. Let's be a good teammate. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. After you retire, there is a way you can make $10 million. Just ask Tony Romo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm not saying that. Ask Tony. I, I didn't mean to say it like this. No <laughs> I know. Way, I'm just kidding. No I, I just wanted to add a joke in there. I don't care what you're doing. You're not going to make it as easy as this. Of course. You know, doing something as natural as playing the game of football, the, the, the gift that we were all blessed with with we know who played in the NFL I mean to to be that special of a player and to throw away your blessings like that is very frustrating for me to sit back and watch and I can understand how fans are frustrated by it as well when we come back ladies and gentlemen we're gonna have my segment and we're gonna call it we've been calling and I hope we're calling it mark it up here on the weekend crunch as you guys know this is the weekend crunch we are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. 
New York Eastern Time. Guys, if you don't have the Worldwide Sports Radio app, download the Worldwide Sports Radio app. How do you do that? Go to Apple, WWSRN. Go to Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's easy. All our shows are on there throughout the week. And you you get to hear the replay of our show, The Weekend Crunch, if you missed it live on 103.9. We're very excited with our app. Our app is for the fans, so definitely download this. Uh, 103.9 LI News Radio brought to you by the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and the New York Sports Scene Magazine. As you guys know, this is my segment, and we call this Mark It Up. This is Mark It Up. Well, since we've been getting around and we've been getting in arguing about the lottery and the NBA lottery to the NHL lottery to the NFL, to me, the way the leagues have to transform these lotteries, uh, the way the NHL is trying to copycat the NBA, it made absolutely no sense. You saw what happened this year. All of a sudden, the teams in the first round, they get knocked out or whatever. the uh, What do they call that, Speedy? Um, I qualifiers. Think the qualifier rounds. Whoever got knocked out of the qualifier rounds, they have the better chance to get the number one pick. It made absolutely no sense. I disagree with what Gary Bettman did with that. The New York Rangers got the number one pick, and there she goes. I think when you look at the NBA and you look at the NHL, they have to try to figure out how to change these, these policies. I, I do believe that if you're the worst team, you have the better chance. And they're going to say, well, we do that. The NBA does that. You have a 14% chance. The first three teams, the, the worst three teams in the NBA, have uh, three opportunities to have 14% chance of getting the number one pick. The problem with those things are the chances, the way the NBA works, of them getting the number one, number two, or number three pick is slim to none. Uh, and that, to me, is a huge problem right now. Now, Golden State was the worst team in the NBA. They still got the second pick. But you see the New York Knicks, they had the fifth worst record in the NBA, and they got the eighth pick. It doesn't make any sense. And I, I do believe that it, it affects teams. And moving, like you said, we need parity. We need parity in the NBA just as much as we need parity in the NHL. Now, with the NHL, it doesn't matter if you have the number one pick or you have the top five number one picks in the next five years. If you don't have good goaltending and you don't have good defense, you're not going to win a championship. It's just it's completely different than the NBA. The NBA is a single man's league. And what I mean by that is if you have the best player on your team in the NBA, you have the best chance of winning. And then you add another two or one player to that mix who is one of the top 10, top 12 players in the league, you have even a better chance. The chances of you winning a championship are better than going into the NHL and getting the, five, the, the next five first-round draft picks. So I, even though it doesn't really affect the NHL and moving forward with the NHL, it could in the future, it, it affects the NBA. And I believe that this needs to be changed, just like the NFL. The NFL never did that. The NFL is not doing the lottery. They believe that the worst team gets the number one pick. The second-worst team gets the second pick. That's the way it should go. And I don't understand it. Yes, they're trying to protect the league, and they're trying to make sure that people aren't trying to throw away games. That's what we've seen. Throw away these games. But it doesn't, it doesn't help the league, and it doesn't help the league moving forward with some of these teams like the Knicks, where you expect them to be a top team because they're in Madison Square Garden and the world's most famous arena, and this is the mecca of basketball, and we're never going to see a championship the way the Knicks are moving, uh, moving forward with these lotteries. So... That is my market up. That is my segment. I, I think that the lotteries have to be changed. Gary Bettman, I do not want Roger Goodell changing anything. And I want to – the same thing with baseball. It doesn't affect you if you get the number one pick because it takes a while for those guys to develop, and you don't even know if these guys are going to develop. We've seen so many players in the top ten picks in baseball, and they never develop. So that is my segment for market up. Eric, you had, you had a story. 
you had a story that you wanted to talk about, and I was laughing with you uh, during break. <laughs> Tell me well, about you this. Know, I, I don't know. If, if you know me, you know that I grew up a, a San Francisco 49ers fan. Uh, Joe Montana, that was my favorite quarterback. You know, being from Sacramento originally, uh, that was my squad. Now, Joe Montana, you know, I think he just went up the rankings a little bit. He was considered <laughs> the all-time great, and this is going to put him over the top. <laughs> now, he came <laughs> Joe Montana came out in a bar stool interview and started talking about the movie Rudy and uh, the movie Daniel Rudy uh, Rudiger is, is, is shown as this hardworking undersized uh, walk-on that comes in and makes a great play the crowd cheers him on he gets you know hauled off the field uh, by his teammates and just a it's a great story <laughs> it well, is Joe Montana said some said this uh, was there was there a lot of things that happened yeah he said, Rudy got a sack in the game, but did the crowd, did the crowd chant? No. He said, did, anyone, did I throw my jersey in? No. Did he get carried off the field? He got carried off by two of the biggest pranksters on our team who were playing the joke. And, <laughs> and so, so, so Joe Montana goes on to go in more depth, more in depth about the, the, the movie Rudy and how that was just a joke. And, you know, he's getting some backlash from the Notre Dame fans, from, from Mr. Rudiger himself. And uh, it's funny to hear the perspective of the, the star of the team and get, get the reality check. Uh, you know, so I thought that was entertaining. Well, I will tell you this. I, I love Joe Montana. I watched him play, too. I wasn't a 49ers fan, uh, but I watched um, them in the 80s when I was a young kid. We're the same age. And I watched him in the 90s when he went to Kansas City and didn't win with Kansas City, but he had the opportunity uh, to take Kansas City into the playoffs. I, I love Joe Montana. I think he's a, the best quarterback to ever play the game. He's the only quarterback that I can remember that's gone to all four Super Bowls and won all four of, four of them. So this is a guy that's never lost in a Super Bowl. So I don't care what anybody says when you try to compare Tom Brady, Peyton Manning to this guy. This guy is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. It's not even an argument. I don't know why people argue it. But this man... Even off the field, he didn't want to show up to the Super Bowls because he wanted to get paid more money than all the Super Bowl MVPs. This guy with the commercials trying to make more money. This guy is all about making money. Even after his career is over, he didn't make a lot of money in the 80s and the 90s because the players didn't make anywhere close to the money that they've made in the 2000 era. But Joe Montana, this guy is all about making money. And now he comes out with this and, and completely shoots down the, the Rudy story. Now I don't even want to watch Rudy again because it, to me, he's telling you that it's a hoax. It was completely, it's a fake story. It's a complete yep. fake story. So. Unfortunately, uh, one of the greatest football stories yeah, is not. When you, you know, when you're in the locker room and you hear these stories about people, you know it, it's funny to hear the real deal. <laughs> and it's it's a shame that it just took this long for him to come out and say it. Mm, he wants to throw uh, Mr. Rudy Rudiger under the bus. I, I met I met Rudy. I met Rudy. Very very nice guy. Very very nice guy. Met him in Miami. Very nice guy. And uh, uh, I thought the story was real. Now, obviously, Joe Montana has pretty much thrown it under the bus or thrown it under the carpet all these years and completely pulled it out and said, you know what? I'm going to throw you a curveball. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Wrong sport. <laughs> as you guys know, our last segment, as you know, and we're going to come back. Uh, Speedy, what is our last segment? Crunch time. We will come back in just a few minutes with our last segment of the day, and we call this Crunch Time. Here on the Weekend Crunch. That's right, Eric. Run DMC, baby. We got the whole East Coast now. This isn't the West Coast. This is the East Coast, baby. 
<laughs> I saved the I saved the West for his segment. There you go. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow the Worldwide Sports Radio by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. This show on 103.9 is brought to you by the New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. As you guys know, this is the last segment. Me and Eric go back and forth. We buy and sell each topic that Speedy brings up in conversation. And here we go. We call this segment Crutch Time. It's time for Crunch Time. So welcome to this week's edition of Crunch Time. Here we go. First one, buy or sell. David Peterson, who has been one of the most overperformers for the Mets this year, will be a, become a permanent fixture in the Mets rotation even next year and going forward. I am going to sell. That's not going to happen. I don't know. Mets fans just like to blow up players because they have a good season. David Peterson shows up. He's pitched very well. So you know what? He's going to be in the rotation. Noah Syndergaard's still a part of the team. We don't know where Marcus Stroman's going to go. We, we don't know where they're going to go, and we don't even know if Brody Van Wagenen's going to be running this team next year with a new owner. So I am going to sell that, Mr. Speedy Petey. You know what? I'm, I'm going to buy it, man. Let, let, let the man live. He, he's playing well. Uh, he, he's playing some good baseball. Although it's in a shortened season, these, these circumstances are crazy. Uh, I mean, listen, in New York, that's why you play in New York. When you play well, it gets blown up out of proportion. When you play bad, the same thing happens. So let's let's continue to blow it out of proportion, and I'm going to buy it. Yeah, well, Brody's probably going to trade him before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buy or sell. Darius Slayton's statement about the Giants having a top 10 offense is realistic. <laughs> I am going to sell that. Now, I think Daniel Jones is going to be a great quarterback. We've seen what he does, and we've seen what he did last year. Danny Dimes, whatever they call him over here in New York, but... He's been very, very special. Four 400-yard throwing games, which is only only two players have ever done that in NFL history. But I don't think the offense is good enough yet. Saquon Barkley, this offensive line is a new offensive line reconstructed. They lost an offensive lineman to COVID-19 for the season. A shoulder who's out for the season. So we don't know where this offensive line is going to be. If Saquon is not hot... They're going to depend on the wide receivers, and I'm not going to depend on any one of those guys, Tate or Slayton or any of these guys. Because Tate is an old man. Slayton came out of nowhere. We don't know what this offense is, so I'm going to sell. Man, I, I would sell it, but nobody would buy it from me, so I'm, I'm just going to give it away. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no way in hell that the Giants are going to have a top-10 offense. I mean, when you look at the receiving core, I mean, what, what receiver strikes fear in you? You know, what, what, what receiver can, can take it to a secondary routinely and, and when it's expected? And you, you can't name one of those receivers. So, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley is a premier player. Yes, he's great. Uh, Daniel Jones is an ascending quarterback, but he's nowhere near elite. I love that word, so ascending. Go ahead and sell that one. I like that ascending word. You're using so many proper yeah, words. Man. You are good, man. Your vocabulary you know, so much better than mine, man. Well, I'm going to use your vocabulary. <laughs> ascending, guys, ascending. All righty. That's that Washington State University education. <laughs> what are you trying to say? My education's not as good as yours? <laughs> All right. The Golden State Warriors will trade the number two pick for a proven star player. I'm going to buy that. I, I, I do. I, I don't think Golden State needs a young player. They're, they're trying to win now. 
Uh, we, we're looking at Steph Curry. Steph Curry this year will probably, I think he's 31, 32. You have Klay Thompson, who's 30, he's going to be 31. Draymond Green is in his 30s, too. This is an older team. This is not the Golden State Warriors for five years ago. So I do believe, being that they have the number two pick, they're going to look for that next superstar. Bradley Beal being one of them. That's the guy. And I, I think he will be available this offseason. I could see Washington trying to rebuild their team. So I'm going to buy that. Man, I was going to sell it. But after you bring up Bradley Beal, I mean that's that's very intriguing. Um, the the reason the reason I'm I'm going to buy it, I, I will say this is because every you know every player has their bandwidth, you know, and, and Steph Curry is a guy who is a great player, uh, but you, you're starting to see how fragile he is. He's not a big, strong guy like a LeBron James that can just endure an, an entire NBA season. So you have to start looking for your next star player, and I and I think that with this opportunity with the number two pick, I think the Warriors have an opportunity to get one of those transcendent players and maybe help them uh, take them into the next phase of their program. So I'm going to buy it. All right. Buy or sell. The Yankees, with all the injuries they have, will trade for a bat at the trade deadline in addition to pitching. Sell. They're not going to do that. The Yankees have so much depth. And they're still going to get enough offense from the guys that they have. Luke Voigt is hitting the hell out of the ball right now. Torres is hurt right now. We know Judge is hurt. John Carlos Stanton's hurt. They fought injuries year in and year out, and they never went out and just went to, on a buying spree when it comes to trade deadline. So as much as I like Brian Cashman, I think he'll make a, a move here and a move there to add a bat. It's not going to be a big bat. Um, I think they have t- a tremendous amount of depth, so I'm going to sell that. That's not going to happen. I'm riding with you, Arrow. I'm, I'm going to sell that as well. I mean, how much more offense do you want this man to pay for? You know, mm-hmm. and you know, I agree. he brought in all kinds of stars. And if they're not playing up to the level, that's not really his problem. That's not his fault. You know, these guys have to play up to their potential, uh, earn their paychecks. And, and if they're not doing it, then, you know, we got to reevaluate our, our scouting process. But I'm going to sell you got to reevaluate your scouting process. There's no way in hell the Yankees aren't winning the World Series this year. <laughs> Oh, they are. They're still going to win All it. All right. Man. All right, man. You're throwing my team under the bus. So if they don't, I'm going to be very upset at you. <laughs> you're going to be the, you're I'm going to be very upset at you're, you. You're going to be the guy that hexed the Yankees. <laughs> he is. He's hexing him. The Bambino curse. We're going to call it the Coleman curse. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Buy or sell with the new expanded playoffs for the NFL. If there is any shot for a division have all four teams make the playoffs, it's going to be in the NFC West. Buy or sell. I'm going to buy that. I, the NFC is much more stronger than the AFC, as we've, we've argued and discussed this. And the AFC West has a tremendous amount of talent. You, you look at the AFC West, uh, I, I think that the growth of each division that we've seen in the NFC has is, is, grown even bigger because when you look at the AFC, now you lost Tom Brady. Tom Brady went to the NFC. So I'm going to buy that. I, I think in the NFC West you will see another wild card team come out of that division. Man, that, that's a that's a great one, you know. But but it's one that I'm gonna argue. I'm gonna say the AFC West has a, has a better chance. I mean, hmm. when you look, no, no, check that, check that, <laughs> check that. When you, when you listen at the top of the AFC West is probably stronger, but when you look at the NFC West, you know they're they're probably equal. You know, you look at uh, the Seahawks; they have a great quarterback. You mm-hmm. look at the 49ers; they have a very good. Quarterback. No twelfth man, no twelfth man. You know that. Yeah, no twelfth no man. No twelfth man. They still have a they have a great program that mm-hmm. I'm, I believe in. You go down to Arizona, your buddy Jamal. They have, they have a guy who's Kyler Murray who can light it up, and then with the Rams. Yeah, I, I think that if anybody, the NFC West can do it. That's that's a great one. I'm going to buy it. Well, look at this. We, we're agreeing to everything tonight. I mean, seriously. Anyways, disappointing night. Yeah, it is a disappointing night. But we're going to get you on this one. We're going to get you on. All this right, one. buy or sell. The Knicks will trade 
into the top three with this year's lottery pick, the number eight pick, and other draft buying picks they it, have. Buying it, buying it. They have a tremendous amount of depth with lottery picks. Now, that you, you traded Kristaps Porzingis. You have uh, two first-round draft picks, a possible three first-round draft picks next year from the Knicks. Uh, what the Knicks are trying to do, they're trying to bring all these draft picks and trying to rebuild this team. The Knicks have two first-round draft picks this year, and they have a ton next year. So I could see the Knicks moving up if they want LaMelo Ball or if Wiseman falls out all the way to the fourth pick. They won't have to give up that much picks. They will only have to give up maybe two first-round draft picks, the one this year and maybe uh, the one next year. Uh, to move up and get the player that they want. So I, I could see the Knicks absolutely moving up and getting the player that they want. So I'm going to buy it. Man, Errol, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. You know, I, I think that, you know, if you look at a team like the Warriors, who, you know, they don't need a star player. They just need to get healthy. And if they can be patient and get get two first-round picks, get a pick this year, next year from the Knicks, I think that's a great situation for them to, to grow their, their organization. So I'm going to go ahead and buy that one. All right, this guy's been rumored a lot. Yannick Nagakawe in the trade that the Jaguars will eventually make at some point. They will not even get a second-round pick for it because of how long they waited. I am going to buy that. Uh, Ngagwe is one of the best pass rushers in the league, but he's strong in one thing. He's a great pass rusher. He can't stop the run. So he's, he's a one-trick pony. And that's something that the Jets need, the Giants need, and a bunch of teams need. To find a pass rusher, it's not easy to find. You, you can go through the drafts and see how many pass rushers we've seen over the years come out of the draft, and some of them really never were accomplished players. I think Nagakwe will be a player that a lot of teams are going to be lining up for, but they're not going to give up much because of the fact that they waited so long. So I'm going to buy that. I think uh, they'll get a third or fourth round draft pick from Nagakwe. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sell that. I, I think a team will, will give up a second round pick uh, for Nagakwe. You know, he, he is a great pass rusher. I, I don't know if someone will give up a, a round one. You know, just because of you know that that's a lot to give up, and you're talking about the the Jets and the Ravens are the teams who are rumored to be looking at him. And you know, the Jets after trading Jamal Adams, yes, they have an extra pick. Maybe they maybe they think about you know trading one of those first round picks they got from the Seahawks to the Jaguars. But uh, listen, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and sell that one. I, I think that that's a possibility. All right, last one. This upcoming season, another rookie other than Chase Young or Isaiah Simmons will win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Hmm. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that because you just don't know what to expect with the NFL. You don't know if Chase Young is actually going to stay healthy. You don't know if any of these guys are going to stay healthy. And I, we've seen over the last couple of years, guys, besides, besides Nick Bosa, uh, we have seen year in and year out somebody come out of nowhere and win Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. So I'm I'm going to buy that because you just don't know. We don't know what kind of player is going to show up this year and completely dominate, especially with there's no crowds, no fans. Uh, it could benefit certain players. Maybe certain players play better without fans. I don't know. So I'm going to buy that. Darius Leonard was you know one that came out I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. You know, I, I think for the, the very reason that when you look at a guy like Chase Young, he literally has to make one play a game. And he's like in elite status. Now, if you don't think a guy of that stature, that athletic ability can go out there and get you one sack in a game and come up with 15, 16 sacks on the year, you know, uh, that gives you the rookie of the year. That gives you all pro status. So I I think that Chase Young has the talent, the skill set to to go out there and make plays and become the rookie of the year. Well, 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 Mm -hmm. look at that. The last couple of them, you didn't agree with me, so... I will have to wait and see and see what the fans think. Yeah. 
<laughs> so what are you saying? You won uh, the crunch time and I won the debate hour? Is that what you're saying? No, I won both of them. And I won Mark It Up. <laughs> well, the Rudy one you did. That's for sure. Oh, man. Eric, Eric. Wow. Sixth episode and we're just going further and further and arguing. So there you go. Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back next week and we're going to have special guest NHL analyst Yes, ex-New York Ranger, ex-Florida Panther, Kevin Weeks on the show. Your boy. Your boy, Eric. Oh, yeah. Team Sacks, baby. <laughs> we'll see who he agrees with. He'll probably agree with you, of course. Anyways, um, we will be back next week. Remember, this is the Weekend Crunch brought to you by the New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Guys, download the Worldwide Sports Radio app. How do you do that? iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or... Go to Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will be back next week, me and Eric, arguing and bickering about something here on the Weekend Crunch.